If you've been with us or if you haven't been with us, we're still working through the book of Jonah, but today we're going to finish the book of Jonah, the last chapter, chapter four. That's the goal. We've been working on this. It's been part of a four-part series, and one of my hopes is, is that when you get done with this and, and we've worked through this, and maybe as you read it again in the future, you remember it's not all about the fish, right? Now, you know, it's what we teach the kids in, in Sunday school, and you know how much I love fishing, but this story is really not about the fish. In fact, the, the neat thing about this story is there is God working on so many different levels and with so many different things. It's amazing to see, and it should be a reminder to us. I, I love the praise team. They actually kind of built off that. Sometimes we need to look at the past as a reminder of God's faithfulness and what he's done, but also that he's working on different levels at different times. Kind of blows my mind when I think of that, that God works with me as an individual. He works with us as a church. Yeah, and then he's also working outside of that framework as well with other nations, with other people, other churches. Just kind of blows my mind. And he's doing it all at the same time. And so we need to be reminded of that. And sometimes we get focused on, hey, I just want my God to be personal and just for me. And certainly we want that relationship. But sometimes we need to broaden our view a little bit and think a little bit bigger than that. Again, that's the emphasis for missions, obviously. And kind of ironically, we have a missionary here who didn't want to go. Jonah did not want to go to the mission field that God called him to. In fact, Jonah, if you remember in chapter 1, went the total opposite direction. He was running as far away from God in his mind as he could. Total opposite direction. Again, being disobedient to what God had called for his life. But God in his grace wasn't done with Jonah. He wasn't going to let him off the hook. Well, sometimes God does let us off the hook, and he, he doesn't give us that opportunity again, and we miss opportunities in life. But with Jonah, he kind of hearkens after him. He chases after him, right? And he creates this great storm. Yes, our God can control the weather. And he creates this great storm on the sea. And remember, the sailors have to make a decision, right? They have to make a decision on their lives, their livelihood, and throwing this young man overboard. Again, after they threw lots, and after Jonah finally said, yes, go ahead, if you really want to save your lives, you need to throw me overboard, and they did that. And yes, this story does have a fish in it. Laurie, I know, I can't get away from it. There's a fish in this story. About Here it would have to be about six foot two or bigger. But anyways, it swallows Jonah, and again, it keeps Jonah alive for three days and three nights. And it's interesting that Jesus referenced this back when he's preaching on his ministry. And of course, now where we are today, we can look back and then say, hey, it was a symbol of what was yet to come. Jesus' death and burial and resurrection as well. And yes, I love that part where Jonah gets vomited up on the land. And many historians believe that it was actually very close. The fish actually brought him back closer to them when he took off. So that he was actually closer to Nineveh. So he had a short distance. So he had no excuse knowing that he had to go back there and preach. And God gave him that call again. And if you remember last time, Jonah reluctantly takes on the mission and goes to Nineveh. And again, it's a large city. It takes a long time to get through. And again, culturally, it says it took a three days. And again, it's because you had to work your way in to the city, and then you had to work your way back out. A Minnesota goodbye extended. So it took a whole day to get out of there. Why? Are you laughing? I mean, no. 
I do love the goodbyes. I do. I actually have learned to appreciate them already and, and that. But it took him a long time to get out. But a remarkable thing happened, though. The king was cut to the heart. Remember in chapter 3, right? And he orders a day of mourning and fasting. And again, they're praying, and they turn to the Lord Almighty. And I told you my struggle as I was looking through it. In fact, I even went back and restudied it a little bit more. Commentaries still have a hard time believing that. And it kind of, you, you heard my frustration with that last time I preached, right? How can you believe in a storm and a fish and a man who gets thrown back out and all these things, and yet you can't believe that Nineveh can be saved? It just absolutely makes sense to me. Why, why would you limit God in that? And we, we spent a whole time on that last time. But now we have the prophet's done his job, yet he's still not happy. Nineveh is turning around and God is relenting. I mean, he preaches a very short message and people are changed. There's a revival breaks out. I don't know about Jonah, but for me, I would be excited. That would be like, whew, good job. But actually in that, it's also a reminder that, you know what, sometimes, actually most of the time, if I'd say sometimes, most of the time, if not all the time, it's not dependent upon the messenger, right? God is the one that is at work. God is the one that's moving the spirit within these folks. This is what's the, where the change is coming. Because guess what? Jonah's still not there yet, and we're going to see that in chapter 4. So I know that was a lot, but I was trying to get you all caught back up, so we're all on the same page as we kind of tackle this. And of course, Jared broke that up last week with Psalm 11 as he was preaching and teaching on that last week. So chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Like I said, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, he preaches a message, people get saved, things are turning around, and he's mad. The outcome is not what he expected, not what he wanted. Anyone else ever have that happen? Things don't turn out the way that they're supposed to? And you can even say, well, wait a minute, this, this is even what God told me to do, and, and I have an expectation that God's going to fulfill it the way that I see it or the way that I expected it to happen. And guess what? God's not restricted by that. In fact, God usually has a much better plan than we do. But unmet expectations, and Jonah certainly has those here. And again, his response reflects that and reflects his heart. He becomes angry. And again, that's toned down a little bit. It's really, in the, the Hebrew, it almost means like furious. He's with rage at what happened here. I think the translators wanted to soften it up a little bit, trying to give Jonah a break. Or maybe Jonah did that in, in, in his thoughts. But really, he is furious. He's mad. Interestingly, once again, he prays to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents on sending uh, from calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Interesting, there's some similarities between chapter 2's prayer and this prayer in the fact that in his distress, when he's got no other option, he does reach out to the Lord. But other than that, the prayers are two totally different, right? One, he's seeking help, and he's saying, oh, Lord, please help me. Don't let me die. And this one, he's saying, oh, Lord, please let me die. 
Jonah's not bipolar. He's not like he, he's changing his mind or, or he's suffering from illness here. Or he's, he, he wants to die because guess what? It's come out the way that he, he wanted in, in some ways. God is gracious. God is merciful. When Jonah wanted grace and mercy, he was more than happy to have the Lord provide that. But now that he's doing it to somebody else, he's upset. It's not the way that he wanted it to work out. He wanted it for himself, but not for others. Again, you can see the, the similarities sometimes in our own life. We can become the same way. Right? And again, that's a moment-by-moment. Moment. I'm always reminded, even in my own personal life, sometimes you hear news of someone that you may have struggled with in the past or someone that you've had a conflict with and something bad happens to them. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I always sometimes have that little hint of that moment of, oh, good, they got what they deserved. You ever had that? Yeah, we've all had that at moments, right? And it reminded me that that's not my job, it's not, my, it's not the right heart response, and I need to repent. So again, Jonah's that reminder in my own life. And God is gracious. He is compassionate certainly gives us more than enough opportunities. He gives us mercy. Um, God doesn't always give us what we deserve. Ultimately, we have Jesus Christ that took our place because we really deserve death. And God's given that to us. And so it's a great reminder of that as well. And again, should give you encouragement. But also we need to wrestle with that. Verse 4. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Simple question. Have you any right to be angry? Again, he's, he's dialoguing with the Lord direct. Just him, and, him and, and God are speaking here on this moment, and God asks him this very simple question. Have you any right to be angry? He's checking his heart, right? He's going right to the kill. Have you any right to be angry? You know, the conversation kind of stops there for a moment, and we break to see what Jonah does next. And again, it's a reflection of that. But, but that question certainly, I'm sure, is, is Jonah's frustrated with that, and he's like, God, how can you ask that question of me? But look what's going on. So Jonah went out, and he sat at a place on the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah and to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was happy about the vine. You got to get the picture here, right? So he's been in Nineveh, he's been preaching, he's, he's done what God's told him. He walks out the gate and he actually goes up on this slope to the east of the city and he kind of gets set it up there, and he sets up a little shelter because he doesn't know exactly how long it's going to be, but he's actually trying to get a ringside seat to watch Nineveh get destroyed. That's what he's doing. He's, he, he wants to see it. He wants to see it happen. You know, he knows God's gracious and compassion, but he really thinking, ah, God's going to get them. They're really not repented. They're really not going to, you know, God says they're, they're evil people. They need to be, be killed. They need to be spied. And he wants to watch it. And God, as he's teaching this lesson, provides a vine for him. And again, you got to remember, it's an arid place, and it's, it's 
There's not a lot of trees around. There's not a lot of things to, to protect you. And in the hot sun, a vine over you providing shade would be an incredible thing. It would be very comfortable to him. He's happy is when we mentioned in the whole passage that Jonah's happy. The only time he's happy is when he's got some shade. Right? He's not happy with God. And he's not happy with the fact that the Ninevites have repented. He's not happy that he has his life. He's happy because he's got a vine over his head. Because right now, at this very moment at least, he's comfortable. And again, you can see the similarities, and hopefully some of you are thinking about sometimes that's when I'm not in the best places, when I'm comfortable, when things are easy for me. Right? And we put a lot of stock into that comfort. In fact, we sometimes will work very hard to be that comfortable. So it, again, I'm not telling you that it's wrong to be comfortable, but again, we need to be aware of maybe this is not the best place for me in my heart. Maybe I need to be changing. Maybe I need to be uncomfortable for a moment. But yeah, at, the, at this moment, Jonah is finally, after all this time, is happy, but he's happy about a, a plant, a vine. Verse 7. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun arose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Interesting. Jonah's back to, to dying again. Again, I, he can't make up his mind, right? He, he's happy about a vine. He's comfortable. You know, he's happy to get out of the fish. He's, he's not. He, he has to go back and talk to Nineveh. He's not settled yet. And even though God provided comfort one day, the next day he's back to being mad, he's back to being upset. How soon we forget. What's great about that song today, it said, remember, remember God's faithfulness. Yesterday, today, and his future. God's going to be faithful to what he says in our future as well. He's withering. So again, Jonah's sitting there, the heat's coming down. Uh, not only the vine's withering, he's withering, right? He's, he's starting to melt and to, to drip. And um, Jared and I were actually talking about this a little bit. And, and he's saying, oh, Dad, you have no idea what heat is. He says, you know, come down to Texas for a while. You know, he went back to 95 degrees. And we were laughing as we were at the ball game on Monday night. And I'm in shorts and a T-shirt, you know, and, and cheering. And, and Jared has on a, a parker, and, and uh, his, he's kind of cold. And he's like, Dad, this is it's getting cold. And I said, Jared, it's like, 55 degrees out. It's not that cold. And he goes, Dad, when you've been in 90s, this is cold. And I said, well, I said, you wait, I'll see it up here in wintertime. And I said, I only got a taste of it, but see what minus 30 looks like. And I said, then you can tell me it's really cold. And he says, Dad, that's why God's calling you there and me somewhere else. <laughs> but you know what? The reality is I can deal a lot better with cold because I can always put clothes on. But you get to a certain point with the heat, you can't get away from it. And if you're not used to it, you wither, and you, you get to that point. You're, you're struggling. So now Jonah's struggling not only spiritually, he's struggling physically. And he's back to that point again, I just want to die. It would be better for me to die than to live. I don't want to see this happening. I'm not happy where I'm at. God, I don't like this. And God asked him that same question again, that very important question. Do you have any right to be angry? That's why he narrows it down. He says, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? 
Think from God's perspective. I provided a vine for you, gave you shade. You know, I decided to take it out, and now you're mad at me. Right? Happy one day, upset the next. I don't know about you, but I don't even have to wait sometimes 24 hours in a day. I can be happy in the morning, and by lunchtime, I can, can be blowing my testimony and being upset. Sometimes it doesn't take very much. And I say I can have empathy here with Jonah because sometimes it's not even a vine that sets me off, and ah, I'm frustrated. Again, that's a lacking on my part. That's a lacking here in Jonah as well. He's more concerned about this vine. And Jonah answers him this time. And again, it reveals his heart in this very, very clearly. He says, I do. I'm angry enough to die. Right? He's mad. And then the Lord kind of rebukes him here and he kind of corrects his, his thinking, at least from, from a verbal standpoint. We don't know the, the end of the story, but at least from the Lord's perspective, he says, you've been concerned about this vine. So you do not tend it, you do not make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And then the story ends. It's an interesting ending in itself, but back to the Lord's response here. Jonah's worried about the vine, and the Lord says, ah, I'm worried about people. And I'm not just worried about the Israelites, and yet they were the chosen people. Jonah was one of them. Again, Jonah reflects the heart of the nation in many ways here. And and he is certainly concerned. He's concerned with us. But can I say he's concerned with a lot more than just us? It's a much bigger picture that God has, a much bigger view. And so he points that out to Jonah and saying, what about Nineveh? These 120,000 people, shouldn't I care about them? Interesting phrase here too. The left, they don't know the left hand from the right. You know what? That's a phrase that's actually used in the New Testament as well. And it's referred to, to baby Christians. They don't know which way they're going. They're, they're, they're still blinded. They're just, they've just barely begun. I always say it's the main purpose of the church is to evangelize. And if you evangelize and share the gospel with someone and they get saved, that's great. But if you just leave them there, it's really kind of cruel. You need to disciple them. You need to help them. You need to help them to grow, how to deal with things. And that's one of the main purposes of the church. It's a, it's a, it's a healthy tension in the church body. We need to be evangelizing. I certainly, I am, I'm all for evangelizing. But we also need to be teaching and discipling and walking alongside people as well. It's one of the great things about Pointway here is it's a family. We, we care about each other. We take care of each other, whether it's physical or spiritual. Some of you already know, if you don't come on a Sunday, I miss you, and I'll send you a message, and hey, is everything all right? Checking on you. It's because I care about you. It's a relationship, and that's, that's what we should be about. That's part of discipleship. And Sometimes it's walking alongside. Sometimes it's saying that hard thing that we don't like to hear. You know what? I saw you the day, and kind of missed the mark with that. Let's work on this. You know what God's word says. How can, I, how can I encourage you with that? How can I be praying for you? And so God has that same concern here for Nineveh, and he's trying to show Jonah, you need to have that same concern for the lost as well. Interesting enough, he not only mentions the Ninevites, he mentions the cattle as well. That was great. Lily, I, she didn't even know, but she set that up really well with the picture of the dogs, right? 
you know what? That stood out to her. That was important to her. And that was great to, to share that. Because, again, it brings the fact that, that God works on all those levels. And animals do bring us comfort. They bring us food as well and, and, and different things. They mean different things to us. But it's important. It's important to God. It's also those little things are important. It's part of our comfort, but it's also sometimes it's part of our care, part of our growing, part of our maturing. So again, God mentioned that, but God's also interested in the whole nation here as well. It's a much bigger picture. And he's trying to get Noah, I mean, uh, not Noah, Jonah, to open his eyes a little bit. Noah had his own things with animals, and he did a lot with that as well. <laughs> yep, you can tell that was off the cuff. That, that was just a slip that kept on going. But the, the story ends kind of on a unfinished. It says, should I not be concerned about that great? And we don't hear Jonah's response. We don't know anything more about Jonah. Jonah is referenced, but we don't know anything more about him. Historians don't know anything about Jonah. We don't know what happens. Now, if you want, you can fill in the blank, and, and a lot of folks have tried that and said, well, you know, Jonah went back to the nation of Israel and shared this message. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Jonah dies out there in, in the desert. He's so aggravated and God just says, you know what, I'm done with you, and allows him to perish. We really don't know. I think one of the reasons it's not mentioned is because God is more interested in the heart of Jonah than the person of Jonah. And again, God gives him prominence in the Bible. He made it through the scriptures. He's here so we can study and learn from him. But really, he's not lifted up. He's not exalted from that point on, on the fact that Jesus does mention him. But with all that being said, hopefully, now that we've completed this, you can see some areas in your own life that maybe, not wholeheartedly, but maybe there's some little fine threads of Jonah that you have in your own heart. Maybe there's some, some things that, as we've been studying this, you say, yeah, you know, that's an area I maybe I can improve on. Or you know what, I can find myself in that. I've done that before. And so that's the, the benefit, the beauty of Scripture is that it brings it to life, it brings it to home, and it brings it to our own relationship. Or maybe, the mission team's getting ready, maybe there's a group of people that I don't want to go minister to. I don't want to go share the gospel with them. Because God's going to be gracious and merciful to them as well. One of the neat things is I actually got a, a glimpse of I call it actually a glimpse of heaven because, I, you know, sometimes in our, our Western mind, we think that we're the only ones that are going to be there in heaven, and we need to kind of expand that. But I was down in the cities, and we went to the Holy Land, which is a, a restaurant down there, and it's right, right in the middle, and there was, it was so good. It was good. It was good food. But it was amazing to me how many different nations were there inside just walking. As, as I sat there, the ladies went off shopping, as that's what ladies love to do. But there were so many different countries that were coming in and out of the doors, and I'm like, what a great picture. All these folks from different parts of the world are here, and that's what heaven's going to be like. I've had the blessing of going on mission trips, and you see that, in, and that reminder of, you know what? God cares about Hungarians. He cares about those in the Philippines. He cares about those in the cities as well. So, cares about each and every one of them 
and he wants them found. That's actually one of the core values of CMA is lost people matter to God. God shows that in his scriptures through Jonah, but he also shows it even today. There are many lost people that need to be found. And so I challenge you as well to maybe God's brought someone to mind. Maybe there's someone that you've been working with or someone that you know, and you say, you know what? I've been meaning to talk to that person. I've been meaning to share what God's done in my life. So maybe that's a reminder today that you need to do that. So I hope that's, that's something you do. Again, as we look at Jonah and his story, now there's some parts in there we need to repent on. Let's do that as well. Let's not be like Jonah in many ways. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word that shows us, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, we're also thankful that you work on so many different levels, Lord, that it's not all about us. Lord, that you care for each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've given in our own lives. Thankful for the gift of salvation that you've given us. Lord, help us to be mindful of that. Lord, help us to be willing to share with those around us who don't know their left hand from their right, Lord. Lord, that we would be a willing modern-day prophet to go to the tough places, to go to those people, Lord, that you called us to go to, that we'd be willing to share. Lord, I thank you for my family here, and I just thank you for the blessing it is for all that you do and each and every person that's here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.